Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco Realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Hi, Kevin. Hey, Matt. How are you? I am well. So you are the owner of Park North Real Estate here in San Francisco. Yes, I am. One of San Francisco's newest independent brokerages. And one of the last ones. <laughs> Congratulations. How did this come to be? So I don't want to say I'm hard to work with. But, I'll say that. Uh, but you, you, know, you, you know me. I was with two of San Francisco's largest brokerages for a long time. You know, very good, top-notch brokerages. And you were with another one for a couple weeks. I was, and I'll talk about that. So <laughs> it was kind of a courting process that a friend of mine who was part of a brokerage that's no longer around, Climb Real Estate, they had asked me to be their new development director. And I said, you know what? I love new development. It's one of the things I'm very interested in. I've represented a lot of sellers of new developments. They were representing more buyers. I said, this might be a good match. I went to them for a month. They're an excellent company. They're no longer around, but they were an excellent, excellent company. It just wasn't a good fit for me because I'm a little more old school. I'm 47. I guess I was maybe around 40 at the time, but I'm kind of an old soul. So kind of, that's an understatement, you know, so I, I, you know, transport (laughs) me back to the 1950s and I'm handing out pens in churches to get real estate business. And that probably fits me better than the new age, but you know, we roll with it. We roll with the times we're in. So I was there for a month and uh, Eugene Pack, who's a good friend of mine, also a, a fellow past president, another past president. I was saying, you know, I wish they did this. I wish they did that. He said, you came from IBM. This is a startup. You need to realize that. And I said, well, if I'm going to work for a startup, I might as well work for my own. And that's how it came to be. I got uh, the Barnum and Butterfield's logo and created business cards and a sign that said Kevin Birmingham Realtor. That was it. Went out on my own, said this is not going to go well. People want to see the big name. And lo and behold, no one cared what company I was with or that I wasn't with the company. And that's how this came about. I decided I always wanted to be... A broker, so I would pick a name, and I chose Park North Real Estate, even though my office is Park South, so I'm south of the park. So that you know, just let's confuse now, people. Now you're a little confusing bit. Park. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I said, you know what? I wanted a name that was generic. I didn't want to be Birmingham Real Estate. You know, I didn't want to be. I worked at Brown and Company when I first came in. And are you making some comment about Jackson Fuller Real Estate's name? No, I just, <laughs> you guys, are, you guys are a super team. I just, I always felt that if you had the name, then it's like, oh, you're working for this person. Whereas if it was generic, you didn't have that. I wanted something that sounded luxurious, the way Pacific. Union. I always loved that Pacific Union name. And I it came up with Park North. And funny enough, as you know, it used to be briefly the name of a neighborhood in San Francisco that's now named Nopa. And before that was North Panhandle. So they tried to change it to Park North. And I said, you know what? I like the name. I'm going to stick with it. And that's how that came about. So and I was actually driving in my car one day through the neighborhood and the car GPS showed the neighborhood name is North Park. <laughs> you know, what? neighborhoods change in San Francisco constantly. Neighborhoods change in San Francisco. We were talking last week. Uh, we have an office meeting once a month. As you know, there's been a lot of consolidation in the real estate industry where a lot of big companies, a lot of money being spent. People say when they're going to come to Park North, 
what do you offer? And my answer always is, I have free coffee and donuts once a month. So at our office meeting, we talked about a lot of this consolidation and a lot of other items. So, and it's actually a great point. You know, while uh, Park North is a new name on the scene, Jackson Fuller, another new one. In the last two years, there have been a lot of independent brands that are, are no longer. So, But, you know, I think this is, this is not, you know, this sounds weird, but I always say that the San Francisco I grew up in, is in coma, right? It's not here anymore. It's my grandmother. It's passed away. It was lovely. I loved it. it. It's not here. The city I live in is not the San Francisco I grew up in. So you're a rare creature. You're actually a San Francisco native. I am. You're a West Sider. And I, I, grew, I grew up in the West Portal neighborhood, but we said the sunset. You know, everything in this side of town was, at that time, it wasn't, oh, this is Parkside, this is this, this is that. It was the sunset. Everything is the sunset. So I grew up in the sunset, and it was a very quaint neighborhood when I grew up, there were gas stations everywhere that have now become apartment buildings. There were little butcher shops and grocery shops that have been gone for decades at this point. So, you know, it's a lot different than what I grew up in. And at that point, the big company was Sapinar, which sold out to Coldwell Banker. You know, Pacific Union was big. Hill and Company, these were the big companies of the you know, north side of town. They have all gone away. So people said no big brokerage is really going to be able to take hold in San Francisco because we're unique. We're different. We're San Francisco. But that San Francisco has gone, right? We're much more into going to a Panera Bread to get a sandwich now than we used to be. It used to be, let me go to my little Italian uh, bakery or my little, uh, you know, Armenian deli, these kind of places. You don't see as many of them anymore. So my neighborhood, like where I'm at, we've got, you know, the neighborhood corner shop, sandwiches, you know, little corner store. I love it, right? It's kind of like a, a heart of the neighborhood. I see people all the time run into them, and I miss moments like that. Yeah. To your I, point, I, because, I mean, yes, like we've all, you know, ordered our food to go on our app, and we walk in with our headset in one ear and grab the bag and walk out, right? Yeah. It's a... Uh, I mean, it's change and, you know, change, it can be hard for people. But I read an article recently that Chinese restaurants are closing down all over the country. And this should be looked at as a success story. Why? Because the people that ran these Chinese restaurants, their kids are now doctors, lawyers, business professionals. They're not taking over their family's business. So what happens? The business closes down. You know, Luca Ravioli's closed down last year. That was a huge story. The gentleman that owned it was in his 60s. I'm sure he was very tired of getting up at four in the morning to get in there at five to take deliveries. And you can only do that for so long. So, you know, everyone gets tired when it comes to business. As you know, in real estate, a lot of the people that were the legends when we first got in, they're not doing very much if they're doing anything at all. You know, like I, I think of someone like Sue Bowie that dominated Noe Valley and she's still doing sales, but it's not to the level that she used to be. Why would she? She made her money. That's fine with me. I, I, I want to be at that point, too, where I can say I'm doing an open house here and there, but I'm spending half my time, you know, traveling. I'm really good friends with Benny Yi. I don't know if you know Benny Yi. He's known as Uncle Benny around he's, here. He's like your mentor. He is. An, like an idol. He is in a way. And uh, he used to run a 60 realtor shop out of Chinatown. He's across the street now. It's him and his daughter at this point. And he was the chairman of the redevelopment agency. He's, you know, friends with Diane Feinstein, Newsom. You, you name the politician. Does he really want to work that hard? But he wants to work enough. So I always kind of say, that's my goal. I want to be Benny Yee when I'm 70, 80 years old. I want to still sell a few houses. But, you know, I'd like to go on a cruise with my wife. Although I won't go on a cruise this week with coronavirus. So that happens. 
There you go. So what's your prediction for San Francisco real estate this year? A week ago, it was different than it is now. I think generally the San Francisco real estate market, it's almost like it's like the Olympics, right? You have A, B, and C. You're, you have your gold, you have your silver, and you have your bronze. Your gold neighborhoods always hold up. And, you know, let's say Noe Valley, Pacific Heights, that's your gold neighborhoods. Your silver neighborhoods, whether it's your West Portals, your Inner Sunsets, they do very well. Your Glen Parks, your Excelsiors, let's call them your bronze neighborhoods, your Visitation Valley. They're where the starting point is. Right now, they're doing better than most, I'd say, because of an affordability price point. And when you start to get into the more expensive homes, they're a little slower. But, hey, if you're the shiny penny out of all the $7 million homes, you're going to get bought. But I think the sweet spot continues to be the under $2 million price point, which let's say that's the Sunset Richmond District. That does really well. You're seeing 20 offers over asking on properties like that. You're not seeing that on a $7 million Noe Valley home. There's a lot of money in this town. There's a lot of buyers in this town. And, you know, I always say there's this myth that everyone's leaving California. Well, for all the people that are leaving California, there's so many more that are coming in. Yeah. You know, and the ones that are coming in are not the blue collar people I grew up with. They're people with money and they have a lot of money. And I think this is not just a San Francisco phenomenon. This is a worldwide phenomenon. If I go to where my father's from, my, my father's an immigrant from Ireland. He's from a town called Milltown outside of Choom, which has been around for a thousand years. Nobody wants to live there. But if you go to Dublin, the home prices are a million plus euros. Everyone wants to be in London. Everyone wonders when there was the Scottish referendum a few years back, why the Scottish wanted to leave. And the reason is they call London the big suck. It sucks all the energy out of the room. Everything goes to London, just like Dublin does to Ireland, just like San Francisco does. Everyone wants to be in San Francisco. I'm sorry, Omaha, Nebraska. Nobody wants to be there. The network is not there. The money's not there. And we're going to continue to be a successful real estate market, even if we have a downturn, which we wonder, is this coronavirus kind of prompting that a little early, maybe it's good. Maybe it's knocking the wind out of a overly inflated market to get us to kind of calm down a little bit. Not so much a 08, 09 drop, but more like a dot-com bubble. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, the 08, 09 drop, it was just, there was the market one day, and then there was the market the day after, it was what, Bear Stearns? Yeah, and then uh, and Le- Lehman Brothers, yeah. uh, you know, I mean. And that was it. No one was interested in real estate the day after that. No, no, no. And you know what, I always, one of my favorite statistics from that time is in 09, it was Lehman Brothers collapsed in September of 09, correct? Eight. Oh, eight. I, I those yeah. years, they were, they were a, it's a blur. They, they were a dirty blur, right? <laughs> December of 2008 was this interesting statistic. Not one Rolls Royce had sold in North America. Now, there's not a lot of Rolls Royces. I don't see a lot of them driving around. But it was the first time in history that not one Rolls Royce was sold in North America. That is huge. I didn't have a paycheck for six to eight months. This is, no one was interested in real estate. No one was interested in the stock market. No one was interested in luxury goods. The country club outside of Detroit was going under. This is Henry Ford's country club. They always had the Ford executives going there, the Chevy executives going there. And next thing you know, those memberships are not getting paid for. And those executives are going out of business and losing their jobs. I mean, it was a terrible time. So, Hard times and gross point. Yeah, hard times and gross point. But I don't see that. What you may see 
is some of the stupid purchases. And what I mean is if the comps are saying something's worth a million four and you're saying I'm paying a million six because I have to have it, maybe that doesn't happen. And maybe you see more reasonable prices. We just sold the house uh, and I sold to a client in 2014 for a million fifty. We just got a million seven fifty for this property, listed it at a million four. Great property. Now, we had an agent come in and said, in this market, you're going to get 40% over asking. 40% over asking is $2 million. That did not happen. Maybe in a different market, it would have. But I think we're in a better market this spring than we were in the fall, although this week could be a changer. So we'll see how that spills out of the next couple of weeks because so many people, their down payments coming out of the stock market and over $4,000 point loss in the stock market this week is pretty substantial. Right. But also the flip side of that is it seems like every time the stock market takes a big whack, people look to real estate as being a more secure investment. So if they still have the liquidity and they've got the funds, all of a sudden real estate looks a little less dangerous than volatile stocks. It always is. Even in the stock market, you have to look long-term. If you're looking San Francisco long-term. So my parents bought their first house in 1973 for $26,000. My grandmother told my mother she was an idiot for making this purchase. Homes in the sunset are $20,000. Why are you paying twenty three, twenty six thousand? It was 26000 Look at how your parents overpaid. They they sold it in <laughs> 1980 or 79 rather for 110000 I said, why did you sell we had a $150 mortgage. That's a lot of money. You know, <laughs> that, that property today, it was a small house, but it's, you know, probably a million six at home. Yeah. Right? So are we going to see these kind of jumps? No, we're never going to see the kind of jumps you saw in the 70s. That was a quadruple run-up. But what we did see is we saw a, a triple run-up in the 80s and a double run-up in the 90s. And the 2000 to 2011 was kind of like the lost decade because you, all that money that you ran up from 2002 to 2007 got a but it all doubled back over the last 10 years. I mean, you see anything, anyone that bought in 2011, you're like, oh, you bought at the perfect time. There was no better time to buy. And even if the market goes down, you know, the only people that really are going to get hurt are those that bought right at the end. And all they were buying really was the froth at the end of the market. This is one of those kind of hindsight is 2020 things. Because if you go back to 2011, we were actually doing business at that time. Getting people to do deals was still a challenge, you know, because buyers weren't convinced that the worst was behind them and thought that there was still better days ahead. And this is before we even get into short sales and, and all of that craziness. But it's interesting, like when there is the downturn in price, those buyers often get super pessimistic and are like, you know, it's going to get even worse. So now is not quite the time to buy. And watching people chase that market is just so frustrating. Well, I, I think the thing is, is, and any financial professional will tell you, don't try to buy at the bottom of the market. Don't try to sell at the height of the market. You're never going to time it right. You know, real estate is seasonal. The fall is always the best time to buy if you're a buyer. There's never as much inventory out, but you're going to get a better deal than in the spring because the spring is when people are out, they're buying, you know, people get engaged at Christmas, they, they get money from their parents, whatever the case may be, they get their Christmas bonuses and they want to buy real estate and they're out there. Well, the fall of 2011 was that really that last slow part. And by 2012, we saw that price jump happen. It was like, I remember this, I mean, January 1st, 2012 came and it was like a different, psychology. I mean, everyone just woke up, the phone was ringing, like, let's do this. 
People were interested in everything again. Everything right. again. I had a client. The Millennium Tower sold out finally. Yeah, I, I had a client that you know they they wanted to buy and they wanted to buy in the sunset under nine hundred thousand. And in the fall they would have been able to do that, but in the spring they weren't. I mean, there were there were still deals out there in two thousand twelve, but there wasn't much. And by that point, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, these were gangbuster years, and they all went. Really up until about two years ago when we first saw the market kind of leveling off, which is at the point that we are now. So when I think of like a San Franciscan, I think of like you're San Francisco through and through. One hundred percent. You like, say that, but my, my wife would argue differently. Right. And then there are people on the north end that might say some other things, too. <laughs> so, my, my, you know, I, I, so I grew up in San Francisco. I, I'm a, you know, went to the parochial Catholic schools here and, you know, drank in the parks with the hoodlum kids and did all these things that I think are so San Francisco. And my wife says, you and your friends are not San Franciscans. You know, you think you're San Franciscans. You're the janitors of San Francisco. You're the ones that clean up. The, the guys that are like leaving the big mess at the 420 parade, the, you know, the transvestite with the, the ALF shirt on Polk Street, that's the San Franciscan. You are not. You need to kind of realize that. And it's like, hey, you know what? San Francisco's always been a weird, interesting city. I think that's what makes it so that the drive of technology, the drive of everything comes out of the city because people can be whatever the heck they want. And San Francisco is not about the people that are from here. It's the people that come here to be something completely different. And I, I applaud that. So final question for you. You just said, you know, you can be anything you want here and you chose to be a real estate broker. Why? Because I was interested in finance and I didn't want to live in New York. And if I went and worked in the stock market, I would have had to get up at two in the morning. And, you know, there's a reason I didn't go to construction. I didn't want to wake up that early. I get in pretty early for a realtor. I get in at nine in the morning and most realtors aren't getting out of bed at that point. You know, I'm sure you are, Matt. Well, I mean, you are. You're at the gym. Children. Children. Children children have to go to school. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, for the most part. I'm up early. And I'm glad because the Pacific Coast Stock Exchange, that's gone, those kind of things. I don't know. I mean, I I would have liked the stock industry, but I like real estate a lot more. I like the one-on-one with individuals and, you know, helping people build wealth. And that's what real estate ultimately does. Why would you pay all your money for something that's going to be – you're going to pay $2,000 more to own it than you would to rent it? Because if you – your mortgage payment, 30% of that is – equity back in. So that's an automatic savings account. You're really, your down payment is just moving one asset to another. So you're believing that you're going to get an asset that goes up. So to be able to help someone build wealth, that's a wonderful thing. I wish we could build more housing so more people could live here. But uh, there's a lot of constraints besides just the lack of land that make real estate very expensive in the state of California. And I don't see that changing the next 50 years. I'll be in coma with my grandmother at that point. (laughs) And on that cheery note, folks, Kevin Birmingham. Thank you, everyone. (laughs) Usker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. 